0: Hey, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Good Girl Great podcast. I'm Talia Toha. And if you are new here, we are fearless and we are tireless in trying to give the most value and information and resources and talking to people or things that I found things that we research so that you could create this beautiful journey, beautiful life of meaning, meaning, purpose, but more importantly, work that you're proud of, whether that's a nine to five, but also if you have a business or if you're trying to create something new, you're trying to create something and try things out. This is that resource stop for you. And today it's going to be no different because we are going to be talking to Leslie Cooster of LeslieCouster.com. She has this wonderful e-commerce business called Back From Bali. But what's really cool about her is that not only does she sell, design, man- manufacture women's bohemian clothing in Bali, Indonesia, which is of course my home country, but she also helps mentor other people in trying to achieve what they are looking for in their business, in their work. But um, she didn't all just kind of magically wake up with this achievement already in line. She went through some seriously difficult challenges, some deaths, miscarriages, and she went through just a, uh, what she would call a lackluster, kind of an okay uh, business uh, journey for from 50,000 a year for years and years and years and years until she decides you know what enough of that. Um, I want to make seven figures. And she did. So we're going to unpack exactly how she did that. What are some steps that she did that perhaps you can start to take notes on and you can kind of go, oh, I can do that too. And I can specifically do this in my business, right? Whether that's e-commerce or something else. But either way, if this is something that resonates with you, something that you feel is connected and something that you identify with, tune in. We have a lot of great information for you guys. And um, at the end of this episode, you are going to hear how Leslie grew that seven-figure business from 50K um, after she was stuck in 50K for years and years and years, but more importantly, how she finally overcame certain mental mindset blocks that was actually holding her back. And believe it or not, it has something to do with success, and so if you ever um, wonder, hey, is there anything that's holding me back? Uh, be sure to hit add, collect, and a subscribe button. That way, if you get stopped in the middle of the episode, you can pick it back up, and you can kind of do it when you don't have Wi-Fi. All of that good stuff. And growth solvers, let's dive in. Leslie, I am so excited to have you here. I cannot wait to chat all about your business and all about your work. I know that your work is near and dear to my heart, especially if it has anything to do with my home country, Bali, and all that Uh, goodness. I'm very, very interested indeed. But before we talk about all that, I actually want to start at um, sort of a personal place, and that 's uh you 've mentioned really openly that you 've gone through a couple of obstacles, really just big life challenges and I think um, a lot of times when we you know when people run their business, when they um, go to work, when they go about their days it 's always very easy to just kind of forget that there are certain life events, good or bad, that can happen to us right like deaths. Uh, miscarriages and all that. And you've happened to have encountered them at a very young age, it sounds like. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and what that was like for you?
1: Yeah, thanks for that question. And, and actually honestly, thanks for pointing that out because this is this is life, isn't it? We we have, we all of, of us have challenges. And for me, I would say the biggest one that started was when I was 17 years old. And uh, I had my first love. His name is Andy. I think he was 19. And he was uh, picking me up in the car to celebrate my high school graduation, because my high school graduation had just started, except he never arrived. And what happened was Andy had a car accident on his way to picking me up. (sighs) and so at 17 years old i faced something that most 17 year olds at least where i grew up did not really deal with which is which is death and loss at such a young age now that it is many 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 years from from that i i have always looked at that as a huge moment in my life that had that has really influenced how I think. And I even remember actually back then, I remember I was with my mom, we were sitting in a restaurant, maybe I was 18 or something or 20, it was not that far along. And I remember saying to her, you can't control what happens in life, but you can control your attitude towards it. And even back then at that young age, that is what I took away from that experience. And that is what I have carried with me all all my life. And really that experience, as sad as it is, and certainly was for Andy and his family, it has really woken me up to realize that really we are in control of our attitudes towards the difficult things that happen to us. And I've carried that my whole life. The other thing that it really did for me is unlike many people who have never been that close to death, it, it, has, it is a reality for me. And it has been a re- reality throughout my whole entire life that death is here. It could happen at every, any moment. It is not something that just happens to you know, your, your grandmother or your grandfather or something like that. And I carry that awareness with me literally every day of my life. I th- I think of death every day of my life, and not in a morbid way, but I know it's here. And that has also been what has really pushed me and ricocheted me in my life.
0: Wow, this is something that I think it's, it's really unique when you, the death that you've encountered is something that is, you know, not ex- something that's not expected, obviously. But if it's a grandparent or a relative who's gone through old age, it's slightly different, I think, the experience, right? Because it comes from the lens of your parents, and they kind of guide you through it. But it, if it was that sudden, and it was really on the way to pick you up, it sounds like, right? Um, Was there kind of what was it? Did you go back to school the next day? And if so, like what was kind of the the I felt like if that had happened to me, the next day it was almost it'd be almost kind of like I uh, I'd be zombieing my way through the day almost cuz you're con- you can't stop thinking about it, right? Was that kind of I know it's been a while now, but um, what was that like that day after?
1: Yeah, well, I had graduated, and so you know I didn't have to actually go back to the classroom and if I did, I definitely wouldn't have gone so it was it was certainly like you don't really want to go see those people and your whole classmates and all of that and my next step was actually going to university so and several months later, I did go to university, but i you know, that, that experience was, I've lived with it every day. And (laughs) sadly, it happened to me a second time. So in my, in my early thirties, I was with uh, my boyfriend and we had a canoe accident and he didn't make it and he died and I did make it. So Literally, it happened at 17, and then it happened again around 31 or something like that. And that, uh, again, was a a reality that, you know, death is very, very close. And in that case, the second case, that actually pushed me to completely change my entire life. Mm. Um, I ended uh, another relationship that I had been in. I decided to go traveling in the world with something I had always wanted to do. And I ended up traveling to Indonesia. I always wanted to go there. And with um, my friend Rafael, that, that's his name, who, who passed, I just didn't go back to, I, I mean, not. I didn't even go back to where I used to live. I lived in, in Atlanta, Georgia. I had, I left it, I moved back to New York City. And I decided to go on this huge trip to Indonesia. I'd always seen a group of islands and I just wanted to go there. And that was propelled because of the, the second loss that I had. And interestingly, it was because of that trip that I launched a business out of that trip, not knowing it that ever would happen.
0: Yeah, this is something that, I mean... Goodness, t- twice in a. I mean, I was going to say twice in a row, but there was quite a bit of time in between the two incidents. And um, the second time, it sounds like you're there, present with him, right? And when you were canoeing,
1: yeah, I was with him, so I, that meant that I almost died too. So uh, you know, it, we, we it was actually the I think it was the Friday after Thanksgiving, and we were. In um, Long Island. And, you know, if you know New York, it could be really cold, you know, and and usually it gets really cold. And I actually even remember um, there were canoes and we just stupidly decided to go in one of them without having any Um, uh, you know, protection, any light life-saving things in the canoe. And I actually even remember there was like a tiny film of ice on the water around the edges. So it was, the water was very cold. It was a very cloudy day. It was maybe around three o'clock or 3.30 that we set out. And that time of year, the sun sets very early. And we went on this lake that was big. And somehow in the middle of the lake through, both of us were not canoers, um, he was sitting in the wrong part of the, of the canoe for rowing, and the, the movement of his body and the rowing, this kind of, he pushed it very hard, and I, it's almost like slow motion. I still could remember, we, we went to the right, we went to the left, and then we were both thrown into the water yeah and um, it was for some reason I still don't understand why or how we were we were separated pretty quickly and it must have been the current and I uh, I mean I'm wearing a leather coat jeans, boots you know hat like everything Um, and I quickly took off I think I took off a coat or something like that And I remembered um, what I really remember in that moment is I remember starting to feel like I was falling asleep. Like I was trying to swim and I was on my back and I was kind of kicking my feet, but I started to feel like um, not cold. And I felt like the The sky, the clouds were getting closer and closer to me. It was just this feeling of peace and quiet. And all of a sudden, I just yelled out, there is no effing way I am dying in this water. And I had earlier, actually, that summer, gone for the first time to a a retreat in New Mexico and I was taught some chants while I was there, and I just started chanting over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and kicking my feet and kicking my feet. And I couldn't even see where I was going because in that kind of moment, it's hard to describe. But it's not like, oh, let me see how far. Oh, yeah, it's coming closer. You're you're just absorbed in the experience of something, and. Shortly after, or maybe it wasn't shortly after, I think I was in the water for about an hour, um, My, I was able to feel weeds, um, and I knew I had hit ground. I could feel the weeds. I had hit ground. And that was um, how I survived it. But sadly, Raphael did not. Um, and yeah.
0: Wow. That's, I mean, that must have been, I, I always kind of marvel at... Obviously, this is such a you know this is a sad story, but it, I always marvel at the the surviving story where it's really just that split second of uh, awareness that you're like I am like you were saying it you're like I am not going to die this is no this is not my you know it's almost like um you know you you realize what's about to happen which with such powerful uh, urge to quote unquote almost just falling asleep, it wasn't even like feeling cold or anything, but it's almost like you were put to sleep by the water, because it's so cold. Um, and you kind of realize, I probably would have just died right there. If I were you. I would just be like, oh, okay, I'm gonna go to sleep. This sounds fine. <laughs> like, you know, I'm tired, but you didn't. And I I always kind of marvel at that split second of awareness where you're kind of like, wait a second, right? And, um, and even your kind of recounting of, Hey, this is, um, let me just say a few things. This is something I learned back in New Mexico and I don't know if it works or whatever. Just say, do something almost. It's almost like that action propels you to, um, surviving, which was definitely, um, gosh, I'm so glad that that's the story for you. Um, obviously, you know, with your, uh, with your, um, friend, it was not the case. Did, did you, when you hit ground, you then kind of went back to, to the bank and, um, started? I hit
1: ground. It was, um, like I had said, it was, you know, already, it was like twilight. Like I could see lights behind me. I could see like lights of a house. It was already like getting dark or Mm. it was dark, you know, maybe now it's five at night, uh, right after Thanksgiving. So it was getting very dark. But I could see these lights and it uh, I struggled to stand, which was really difficult. But I was able to and somehow I got to somebody's front door, and I pounded on the door. And um, they called ambulances, and I was whisked off to the hospital. And they tried and they did find Raphael, but he had passed and um, they brought me to the hospital and um, to their shock, I didn't have hypothermia, which is which is what I should have had and certainly was what I was experiencing in the water. That feeling of being warm and falling asleep is a sign of it, but I didn't have any of it and I recovered completely. Wow.
0: Um, and-
1: that was uh, what happened to me then and you know it's hard it was very 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 sad and very hard to to move on and to get get past something like that but you know, once again, it was a wake up call of, you know, what am I doing in my life? And what kind of relationship do I have? And what am I doing, you know, work wise? And what is it that I really want? And, um, and then once again, stuff happens, but you know, it's our attitude towards- attitudes towards it, you know, and like, am I going to be a victim and a poor me, and I don't want any of those things. So these are the the, that this, this is what happens when you're faced with really difficult situations is, again, you could become the victim, or you can use it to ricochet your life.
0: Mm. Well, and I'm so glad that you know, you made that 180. And I think that is really fantastic. I mean, you've never really you've always had this awareness of what, you know, what you wanted out of life, but it sometimes it does take certain life events to just kind of propel you to really what you deserve in life. And in in this case, really for you living the way that you wanted and and, um, pursuing the things that you're passionate about, how long did it take you between then and like, I I know you mentioned that you then start to travel, start your business and all that great stuff. Was that a few months, a couple weeks?
1: Soon after, I I can't honestly remember the date, but I think this happened to Thanksgiving, this is in November, and I'm pretty sure it was in June or July of, you know, a few months later that I decided to go to Indonesia and, and, and do the trip. And I went on the trip, I went by myself, which was really scary. I had never traveled by myself before. I remember talking to my cousin who had traveled by herself and she said one thing to me, she said, you are never gonna be alone, as she said. And it's you know it's so true, especially a woman traveling alone. You're just never alone ever. So the, from the moment you like land, you are with others and other travelers. And so I was swept along into that whole world of traveling. But you know, I carried with me a real sadness. And I'm honestly, I'm not a drinker at all. But I do, I do remember like drinking bintang beer, which is famous in Indonesia. And like every day having a beer and it was a way for me to kind of, I guess, numb something out. Um, And I was doing that. So that's, I think some kind of coping mechanism that I had at that time. Uh, But, you know, I continued on the trip and I I traveled for, I think it was seven months and uh, met all kinds of wonderful people and felt madly in love with Indonesia and, Uh, Indonesian people and also the beautiful fabrics that I saw there the crafts that they did and it just uh, I just oh my god I love the trip and not only did I love Indonesia and the people and the crafts but I love the experience of freedom and I love the experience of traveling and I love the experience of just like all the new things that I was experiencing instead of like working in a job
0: right Right, right. It there, It is kind of a stark contrast, right? And I think this is why traveling, and it, it doesn't even have to be like halfway around the world, right? Even just somewhere where you haven't been ever or haven't been in a while really can kind of open your eyes to something that you something that you didn't even realize uh, you need your eyes open to. I know for me that happens a lot, usually whenever I travel, even f- for personal just um leisure. And it, it always I always come back with ha- having learned something new. Now in your case though, you you came out of that trip. It sounds like you started your business, right? And um and you had the for years you shared that it was <laughs> that you had uh, never quite surpassed the five figures. Is this is this correct? Or is yeah, yeah? okay. And um, and what was the kind of the reasoning reason behind that? Was the was it that you work halfway or part time or full time somewhere else, and then you have the business as well on the side, and it was just a side hustle.
1: You know, when I returned from that trip in Indonesia, I, I um I needed to find a job and I didn't want to find a job and I had a light bulb moment of remembering the beautiful fabrics I saw in Bali. And so I went back to Bali, I bought clothing, I brought it back, and that's how I started. My business. And so for a really long time, the business was kind of like, as you said, it, you know, I did street fairs and and holiday markets. And then I started to move into wholesaling uh, at, at, you know, big convention centers horrible business, by the way, wholesaling. (laughs) I don't recommend it at all. (laughs) And then, you know, this is like, you know, we're going back a while. So this is now like the 90s or the late 90s and and the birth of the internet is starting. And I started to get my business online, you know, these clothing that I was bringing back from Indonesia and from Bali in particular, I started getting them on, on on a website that I created. And then I eventually actually got onto Amazon. Amazon, which is when everything started to change, and so yes, I was doing okay. You know, I was doing around about fifty thousand a year in revenue, which actually is actually not okay. But at the time, it was okay for me. And what happened to me is I kind of stayed at this sort of okay mediocre sales level for quite a long time, and I stayed at it partly because I had kept thinking that I want to have more of like a free lifestyle and I don't want to work that hard. And I want to be able to like, do what I want to do and, you know, see who I wanted to see. And, you know, and I, and I had a lot of false beliefs and this is what I realize now I had a lot of false beliefs of what success would do to my life because I, I saw it as I work so hard, so therefore, I, I couldn't go to a spiritual retreat like I love to do in the summer, uh, and money is, it should not really be a focus because, you know, money is just more greedy, and it's not really what I want to be focusing on in my life. I want to be focusing on other things that have higher value for me. So I started to question these beliefs, and this is what started to happen to me because I started to feel very uncomfortable about where I was in my life and where I was financially. Now, I I was and still am married, and I had have had and then and have a husband. So I really was in a position where I didn't really like have to earn a lot of money. Okay, I wasn't really being forced into it, which is a situation that many people do have, and many women have, but I didn't. And so I more was feeling like it's enough, but every day as the days were passing, it felt not enough. I felt I could be doing personally so much more than I was doing. I felt like I had talents, skills, drive, ambition, that I was pushing under the rug Because of my false beliefs about what success would make my life look like and what focusing on higher revenue sales would make my life look like. And even, interestingly, what my femininity would look like if I really shifted into becoming like a high-powered woman, money-making businesswoman. But I got to a point, as I said, of being uh, very frustrated with myself, feeling almost like a failure, even though I was not really a failure. I was sitting in our apartment, one that we used to live in, little apartment, cute little, cute little office I had at my little IKEA office chair (laughs) and table And I had this welling up feeling in me of saying, there's just no way I am waking up on my next birthday, not doing six figures in my business. Like I am done and this is what I'm going to do. And no matter what happens, I'm going to do it. And I started to get honest with myself about what I wanted. And I realized I wanted money. And I realized I had never had the courage to admit that to myself because I thought it made me seem like a bad kind of person okay, or a shallow person or a greedy person. But I decided to admit I wanted it. I wanted to be able to buy my dream up house or home with my husband. I wanted to be able to contribute in in the ways I really wanted to. I I wanted complete control over my life about what I could do and not do, what I could buy and not buy. And that was the moment that changed everything for me.
0: Mm. Well, and I I love your journey of almost that self. It started with self-awareness, right? And something that perhaps is, is really the initial step, because without it, there's just no, there's no point and the, there's no um, reality to it, right? And you kind of took that mental check and that self-check and be like, what is going on here? And why am I, is it because I'm like afraid of success, right? Is it because I associate money, success, right? with With hard work and maybe losing freedom. And mostly because, I don't know about you, but I know that for me, when I went through, you know, what you went through a number of years ago, I realized that it was because for years, um, and this could be my fault, this could be just the way that we grew up, we associate success with certain things, right? With, for me, the picture that I see is really, you know, I don't know, men, tall men in like suits and, suits and, suits and ties or something, right? Like something like that. And then with that association, you know, you often hear about how, uh, you know, filthy rich, like all these terminologies, like money's the root of all evil or what. And we don't want to get into, you know, the the necessarily religion or anything like that, because I don't think it's actually related. It's just um, the way that we view success, to your point, is has been informed and but I should probably say misinformed with certain associations right so i love that you kind of realize that wait a second something is off here and this is why i'm not making the amount that i want and let's say, let's say it i want to make that amount right? And for you, that happens to be the seven figures. For some people, it might be a matter of going from like, I don't know, 5,000 to 500,000, I don't know, Um, or 50,000. <laughs> so it doesn't, I think what matters here, the lesson that I want the, to underline for the audience real quick, who's listening and watching is that, okay, you know, uh, you actually did take that personal um, journey to kind of get yourself out of it and just kind of go, okay, let's, let's be real. That's what I want. You know, I want to be able to do that. That is so, that is, uh, did you talk to anyone for that? Or did you share with with your husband, be like, Hey, honey, this is, this is what I'm trying to do. Cause sometimes that, um, also has different uh, nuances and that also makes a, a big difference. You know,
1: you would think I I maybe read a book or I talked to someone or, or something like that. But it, it really that is not how it started for me. It really was this welling up inside of me. Of, of feeling even like, you know, I was envious sometimes of, you know, other, other people that I saw that had things that I wanted to have, but I would push that aside. I, I, you know, I, I was just, I've always been very self-aware and I think the, the, the tragedies that I had in my life forced me to. So, you know, for a long time I journal and I study, I actually have my master's in clinical social work. So I have, I have a, a, a psychology background. I study my dreams. I've always been someone who is self-aware and and tries to be more self-aware. I didn't quite realize the extent of my entrapment into these ideas. And this is what I really came. It, it, this is really what some kind of light shone itself on it. And it really came from the inside of me and my own disappointment and frustration with myself and once I made that decision, then came the talking to the people and reading the books and getting a, a consultant and um, doing the mindset work and all this other stuff. And then the whole thing opened up to me and I started on a self-development journey, which really is that's what entrepreneurship is, by the way. It's a self-empowerment and self-discovery journey, and then started that whole journey, and then I started really opening up and learning and understanding things more and more and more, but it came from my own frustration with myself, and that is something, and I think listeners can relate to this, It's isn't that the truth, that it's when we were we're like, we've had enough, enough is enough, enough of that relationship, enough of this job, enough not making money, enough feeling like crap, enough not taking care of my health. And it's, it's, it's really has to come from the inside. It can't come from the outside. Everybody knows that you can't tell, you can't help somebody else lose weight. You can't help somebody else see themselves. You you just can't. So it has to come from that deep dissatisfaction inside yourself. Uh, Now, Sometimes we don't hear it, do we? Because it's so covered by busyness and whatever it is. But if anybody just takes a moment, they know right now, you know what you're frustrated with in your own life. Yeah. And that's what you need to feel in order to change something.
0: Yeah. And I think what's what's really interesting that you had just uh, shared is that it really does have to come from yourself and, And if you want it, the the reality is, you know, you're going to go get it. You know, (laughs) because we're primal beings, and we are programmed to. to, This is almost like these um, survival instincts that kick in. Yes, of course, all the other stuff. You know, the success, all of those things seem a little bit more nebulous. But in reality, the the things that's happening in our brain, and ourselves, and our hearts, mind everything. Those are all primal forces and it, it kind of kicks into action, right? When you really do want something and, and it's really kind of you know the, the the cliche of like you know if you want to do something or or if you you know if you really want something you you can do anything is um you know to to certain degrees it's definitely true you know because if um you know it's your survival and your kind of um well-being that's at stake and in your case i think what's really beautiful is that you kind of just made that decision. You're like, you're like, I'm not going to make 50k anymore. I'm going to make, you know, whatever um, millions. And so I think that's really that that liberating feeling to know that anyone can make that decision, right? Um, which is fantastic. I love this. So let's kind of, because um, I'm sure at this point people listening, they're kind of like, okay, well. Leslie Talia, how exactly does that happen? I know you know right, like and people are like, "Okay, how did she do it? Like what did she do to kind of start and I know you already touched on the self development I know you start you touched on the um the mindset work and just kind of having that attitude and focus um and, but specifically, right, like um what are some things that you did? that propelled you to the number to, you know, in your case, it's obviously seven figures, uh, your goal, but uh, what were the specific things that now looking back, let's say like two or three things that you kind of go, okay, these are really the foundations that, um, that I did on a daily, weekly, monthly, whatever basis that, okay, made me end up where I am right now. What are some of those things, Leslie?
1: Yeah. in the last year I've written a book, And the book is uh, is called Money and Freedom, Seven Keys to Seven Figures. And because I started to reflect on, like, how in the world did I do this? I mean, I don't have a business degree. I I create women's clothing. I don't even know how to sew. Okay. So, like, how in the world did I do this? Yeah. And, um, you know, it really started with something that actually you just said before, and I'm really glad you said it. And that has to do with the wanting. I, I remember a, a while back, I was watching Oprah and Elizabeth Gilbert, the, the writer of Eat, Eat, Pray, Love, got on the show and Oprah asked her, uh, what what is the secret to success? And she said this, you have to really, really, really want it. And the important part is you have to say really three times. And, I, and you just said that before, you have to want it. So that is key number one. You need to really want it and get honest about what it is that you want. Maybe you don't want to work that hard. Maybe because you don't want to work that hard, it really has to do with mindset. Like, what do you want? So that's the most important. The second is focus. At the time, I actually had two businesses. I had my my importing business back from Bali, and I had another business, which was called Girl Power, which is an empowerment program for girls. And I realized that the reason why I was not successful is because I was doing two businesses at the same time. And where I would focus, the business would go up. And where I didn't focus, the business would go down. So I was running literally, it was like being on a seesaw in a playground, you know, going up and down and up and down. And I made a decision and sitting in that chair, this is the same day that I needed to get rid of one of my businesses. And I did. And so focus is really important. And this is a big mistake many people make, especially women, because we have this false belief that we're (laughs) multitaskers. And we're actually, we're actually not the human brain actually can't cannot do things at the same time. We think it does, like, but it doesn't. You look at your phone and that's what you're doing, and then you look at your computer and that's what you're doing, but you're actually not doing the two things at the same time. So focus is unbelievably important. And the next thing that I did was become what I call a ferocious learner, which is to just inundate yourself with 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 courses and workshops and books and podcasts and everything. On the topic of, for me, it was two topics. It was a topic of mindset and and beliefs around money and my money story. And the second was how to build an e-commerce business. Um, And so the the next thing that I did, which, uh, and then I'll just leave it to that because there's several more steps. But the next thing was to hire a consultant. And I have a very clear criteria of what a consultant should be. And your consultant or coach or mentor, whatever you want to call it, it's all the same thing I'm talking about, is you should only hire somebody who is where you want to be and was where you are now. And don't hire a coach who just went to coaching school, unless you're just doing life coaching, that's different. But when it comes to business support and business help, and that's what I wanted was help on building a business, you need to hire someone who's already done it. And that is one of the main keys to success.
0: Yeah. And I think, I mean, you mentioned some several points here, which is just fantastic. And I want to unpack um, some of them, just real quick here for everyone who's who's tuning in, obviously, because th- each of them probably deserve a whole podcast episode on their own because it's such a rich topic. And it's something that even, I mean, even people who are so advanced have done this for like 50 years or whatever, they're still working on improving those areas, not because they don't know anything, but because... There's an infinite um, ability to grow in it, right? And the first thing that I want to touch on and recap real quick that you had shared is um, that we already kind of touched on just for a sec is that really, really wanting it is I think a lot of people underestimate the, the, the really, really, really part. And I'm so glad that Gilbert did emphasize that you have to say three times because it does give you a visual of, it's not enough to just want it. It's not enough to just be like, Oh, I want that, you know, wouldn't it be nice if, you know, or, you know, it'd be great if, um, but I think to your point, the, for me, I know, I don't know about you, but for me, the really, really, really want piece came definitely when I realized that I can't stop thinking about, you know, this thing that I, I want to kind of create. And that came of course, like several years ago. And I was kind of like, okay, why am I, I can't shake it off. Like I can't stop thinking about it. It doesn't matter if I'm doing something else. Like I just like, I, I just kept, I kept ideating. I kept like starting to map things out. And before I realized that I'm like, okay, well, Uh, Clearly, clearly I want it. (laughs) So it's, it's having that um, awareness of of that and wanting it so much that after the novelty wears out, you still want it. I think that's probably the true test, right? Because there's the the level of excitement that you're kind of like, oh, this is fun. It's new. But when things get difficult, that's really the true test. And um, I'm so glad that it came from the author of Eat, Pray, Love, because, um, in reality, it really does it, it really has more to do the, um, with things that you do in your life, eating, praying, loving, all of those things, much more so than the figures, right. And I think that's um, such a great emphasis there with with Gilbert. But I want to kind of ump- unpack uh, for a minute here the focus that you had mentioned because a lot of people when they think of focus, they think of, hey, you know I have a list of to do. You know, turn off everything. Let's let's focus. Which is, of course, you know, there's there's something to that, of course. But you are talking more of the macro focus, which I actually really, I'm so glad that you bring this up because we talk about this a lot on this podcast. Is the the things that you know, obviously, you say yes to. You're that's the thing that's gonna basically it means that you're saying no to these other things. And in your case, you have the two business. So obviously the one that, so which one did you, you, you then obviously and now you still have the importing business is that that's the one that you decided. it's so, okay, I want to highlight my focus on this. And then this other thing, did you kill it all the way, or did you kind of like pick it up after a, a several years?
1: Yeah, this is a great point. I'm really glad you brought it up. So I was sitting in that chair and I had Girl Power, which is the the, the, the Young Girls Empowerment Program. I work with girls seven to 13 years old. And, and introduce like mind, body, spirit, different uh, topics with them. And I had the importing business. So, of course, uh, the discussion inside my head went like, well, I should definitely keep girl power. I mean, it's spiritual. It's helpful. It's I mean, there's no doubt about it, that's the one that should be kept. And back from Bali, the importing business is materialistic. And it's just about money. And it's selfish. And I really was struggling with this idea and judging which one is going to be better. And to me, the girl power was better. But I had a gut feeling, like really, I really felt it like in my stomach, a gut feeling that it was the back from Bali business, the importing business that I should do. And in that moment, I said, I am letting go of girl power. And I felt like there was a chorus of angels that came into that room. I got chills going up on my spine. I still have them just talking about it. And I felt like I heard, hallelujah, you know, and just like, what? took you so long. <laughs> I realized in that moment, again, I had these false beliefs that we all have of what we think we're supposed to be doing, because it appears to be better. You know, it appears to be like the, the more altruistic or whatever, better choice. But it isn't, it isn't actually. And that's, again, why, what is it that we really want? And what is really true to us? And yes, To answer your question, I just dropped Girl Power. It was at a time um, because I ran groups seasonally. Okay, so it was at a time where uh, the the groups had just ended or were about to end. um, And I just stopped it. I didn't sell it. I didn't try to get anyone else to run it. I literally just withdrew from it 100%. And put a hundred percent of my time into my business, of which I realized I knew nothing about. Meaning the e-commerce business, the Amazon business, selling online business. I really, on a scale of one to ten, I realized I was maybe at one. I really didn't know, and I had, you know, again, as the way life works, when you start going in the right direction, I somehow very soon after heard of a conference that Amazon was throwing in Seattle, which is where their headquarters are. And I decided to go to the conference. And I went to the conference. I was so blown away there. I still remember feeling like I was Really like in kindergarten, and I, I could hear like all these. Most they're mostly men who were there, and in, they're talking about they're doing forty thousand a month on Amazon, and uh, they just sold their business, and you know they're bringing in this brand, and it, it was it was really Greek to me. And there was a fantastic uh, a keynote, or I don't know if it was a keynote, but she was speaking about trends, and just, I had never thought of it in this way. I never understood it in this way. I didn't really understand that you have to, that this is actually a skill to learn. I I didn't know it was a skill. I knew so little that I didn't even know what I didn't know, Mm -hmm. which is by the way, why everybody needs to have a a consultant or a coach, because you don't know what you don't know. And there I was, and she was speaking. And afterwards, I ran up to her as many other people did, and uh, found out she was actually a consultant for e-commerce. And I got her card, and she became my consultant. That was eight years ago. I still work with her to this day.
0: Yeah. Well, and I love this story, in particular, because you actually said no to the thing that's that people would and you said this as well, like people would say that, oh, that's obviously the better way to go because that's, you know, altruistic and it's, you know, empowering girls. Like you probably felt like you were you knew what you're doing there much more so than the e-commerce piece, which you scaled yourself at that point was at one, you know, from a scale of one to 10, which, so it's almost like you kind of went to the least obvious choice, right? And you kind of go, well, that's, um, it, it's almost like you you really took that leap of faith, but in reality, it's not quite the leap of faith. I think I want to kind of highlight again that, you know, you also mentioned we really do have to be honest uh, with what we want and what we need and what works for us, what doesn't work for us, you know, and, and everyone's lives are different, but I cannot tell you how many people had, um, that I've seen. And and I was obviously like this as well, uh, years ago, like you, you just kind of go to the thing that you see other people do, even if it makes no sense to you (laughs) and you're like, okay, why did I do that again? Uh, but everyone's doing that. So maybe I should do that. Why? You know? (laughs) So, so I'm so glad that you kind of say, you know what, this there's something here, you know, with the with the importing business. Something here with the e-commerce, and and you took the right steps. You got somebody to help you, which, by the way, is not just for people who are just starting out, right? I think everyone through all course of life and stages of their prof- uh, professional, um, definitely their professional development. There's always someone who is further ahead than you. Always. It doesn't matter if you're like. 80 years old and you're like, you know, Steve, Jobs. it doesn't matter. Like there's always somebody who has done it, um, and has walked in those shoes. So I think that's, uh, that's really key. And, and the other key that I want to point out is that you completely kind of turned that off that, that, um, the empowerment, um, segment of the, the second business, which I think a lot of people would probably be fearful of doing. Right when they're running around doing all these other things, they're kind of like, well, wow, but that's kind of working, yeah. But when you have like two or twenty things, that's kind of working. Then nothing is working, right? So I love that you kind of commit it. That's the other thing we haven't mentioned the word commitment, but I think obviously Leslie's been exhibiting that in in her journey, the the, the commitment to. Um, just this one thing that you want to pursue. I love the other thing that um, you mentioned, <clears throat> uh, being a ferocious learner. I think this is again <laughs> so easy to overlook. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like I think the the thing that I always liken this to is, you know, when you're um, at grade one in your journey in your business, there's there's like 20 years ahead of you or, you know, like 10 to 20 years of learning that you got to do. And even then it's never really finished. But I think a lot of people make the mistake of, oh, I've taken all the courses. I've learned everything. I've listened to all the podcasts. I've you hired all these consultants, coach, whatever, doesn't matter. Um, and now I'm done, and now I'm just gonna build my business. And you're kind of going, like, well, that's not how it works. It's an ongoing process, you know. And you mentioned books, which by the way, I have to interject and and share with everyone who's um who's listening and tuning in, is probably one of the cheapest and most underrated. I mean, books are like what, 15, 20, 30 bucks. And it contains usually twenty plus years of someone's life's work, experience, things that they learn from other people. Like, why wouldn't you pick it up and at least read it for an hour? You know, you'll still learn something, even if you don't finish the book, right? And people are like, ah, I don't want to read. I'm like, there's audio books. There's like now, there's so much stuff that you can do. And I think the excuse of "that's not my medium" is no longer. It, it just no longer holds. You know, there's just it's just so. And I I do want to also. Mention um, and you know Leslie can attest to this as well. Most of the people that I've seen that are super successful, um, they are constant, ferocious learner. Right? It's just it's never enough. They want to learn more um, every weekend. They're like, oh, what book is new? Oh, what episode is new? Oh, what video can I watch? Like, oh, this person is coming out with this. Let me check it out. And it's just that constant learning because the reality is things are constantly changing and evolving. If we're not Constantly changing and evolving, then you know your business. There's going to be five, 10 years from now, it's going to start to kind of dwindle out, right? So I love everything that you're saying, uh, and obviously you can check out Leslie and her amazing business. And I want to kind of share um, uh, just a couple minutes here for for Leslie, before we wrap up just a minute for her to kind of share with you guys where um, you can learn more about her and maybe check out some of the awesome um, things that she has. Great, great styles that she have for you guys um, this season, whatever it is. Um, So Leslie, where can people learn more about, about you? And, and, um, and then after that, we'll wrap up.
1: Yeah, thanks so much. So the best way to learn about me is my website, which is lesliecooster.com. And that is the best way to to find out more about um, consulting and courses and and, and free offers that I have. And, of course, to look at my beautiful clothing back from Bali, you will find me on Amazon and my website backfrombali.com.
0: Amazing. Leslie, thank you so much. I had enjoyed our conversation. You guys be sure to check Leslie out, uh, learn about her, learn from her and check out her website and buy some of her good stuff for your next trip anywhere, really, or even just at home. Uh, But before we go, be sure to hit that add, collect, follow, subscribe button. We'll have episodes ready for listening uh, for you guys to listen to when you don't have Wi-Fi. Uh, But until then, you guys, let's keep growing. Take care and good luck with your day.